Hi, this is MG. And I'm Elizabeth Pudwell. And we are Sober Sisters Talk. Welcome. And we're so glad to be here today. It is, uh, what, March 8th? Right. And it's a Friday, and we are recording. We haven't met in like maybe two weeks. A lot has happened. Um, but we're going to focus on what we're doing right here today. So um, I just want to remind our listeners that this is about MG and I bringing our collective recovery um how we practice it in the real world uh we both have multiple programs and a lot of a long time in programs and this isn't about one particular program it's about you know any type of 12 step or any type of recovery and taking that out into the streets and walking walking around with it right walking the talk and i like to say that you know i don't know how to keep anybody else sober i just know how i keep myself sober with god's help and, you know, doing this podcast has been one of those tools that I use right now as part of my recovery. I feel like it's a way for me to be in service. It's a way for me to uh, carry the message. It's a way for me to have fellowship with my sponsor. And it's uh, also a way to meet new people. Well, you know what? I, all of that just made me think of, we had a conversation last week on the phone about um, maybe some sponsees that were um, struggling. And you said, like right before we closed, you said, you know, I was reading the big book and uh, Bill and Bob were talking about when they were going out there and they're trying to help all these drunks and they're going to hospitals and they're getting these guys that need sobriety and they would get them a little bit of ways and then the guys would go back out again. And they were frustrated and they were talking about like, you know, we keep what doing this. And yeah, nobody's staying sober. And the other guy goes, but we're staying sober. Yeah. And that's what this is. It's like whether or not it affects all of the people listening. If there's only one person listening, you know, it's helping you and me. That's right. That's right. And that's why we're doing it. So do you want to introduce your I guests? I do. Very, very, very much so. I'm very excited. So we are here with um, someone that I've known for quite a while. Um, we haven't seen each other in a while, but like you do with people that you know really well, it just goes right back to the last time we saw each other. And I have seen her grow. I have watched her on social media, and she is a dating expert. She gives really sound, uh, direct uh makes sense practical advice to people that are dating and she's going to come on our show and talk to us about that so i want to introduce to you darcy hi hi darcy hi (laughs) so tell them a little bit about how you came to be a dating coach yeah so i mean i get asked that question on every podcast it's like yeah And, you know, I love talking about that because I became a dating mindset and strategist basically because I did everything wrong myself. Like I literally got everything wrong that's possible to get wrong, you know, and I don't necessarily like to use the words right and wrong, but I was so wounded in partnership that I I put men on a pedestal above me. And so I was always getting into partnerships where I didn't feel I didn't feel loved. I didn't feel valued. I didn't feel seen and I didn't feel heard. And you would repeat that over mm-hmm. and over again. Yeah. How painful back I'm so to sorry. back to back. Ugh. Thank you. Ugh. Thank you. Well I think a lot of times like our deepest pain turns into our deepest gift. Right? 
right? Absolutely. So I had a so therapist true for recovery. Well, and I had a therapist that used to say that the biggest work is when you're in relationship, relationship work. Because, you know, if you want to have that, you're going to have to give, if you want this big thing, you're going to have to give some stuff, which is intimacy, vulnerability, things of that nature. So Yes, that is so true. You know, because when I work with women, what I see a lot of is they try to stay single and do all the work then. Because they think, you know, they can get to this place. <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh, okay. Thanks a lot. Uh, <laughs> MG, uh, um, Elizabeth and I just raised our hands. We were like, yes, that's what we're trying to do. So, if I stay so, if I stay single long enough and practice my own life, then I can have a healthy relationship. No. Yeah. Well, and women think because we're raised that way for right. sure. That we're going to get to a perfect place where we're perfect and we're going to attract a perfect partner when that that day never comes ever when in fact we finally attract a partner who comes into our life and all of our stuff comes up and we have to do all this work and we're like wait a minute what happened i already did all this work and it's like no the true work the real work shows up when your partner actually shows up Oh, so much fun, right? Right. Well, I even see that with work. You know, I have a job and I have a friend that uh, gave me this job. Like she said, I can't stand it anymore. You want this job? And I'm like, yeah. So I got the job and I went, <laughs> I went into the job and all these people are driving me crazy. And we were talking about like family of origin, how we recreate it. And we do that so that we can work through more of mm-hmm. our stuff. We deepen our recovery. We deepen our uh you know, um, what I want to say, like, you know, mental health, physical health. It's like those, the universe is giving me opportunities to continue to work on that. And it's still a struggle. And I feel like, you know, this week, it, you know, I, I've made a lot of progress with these people I work with. And I really, really like them now. And, uh, but I'm still looking for another job. You know, it's like I'm still uh, wanting for other reasons. But, it was like I worked through a lot of issues right. I had around this job, and they did come up. So, yeah. so do you want to share a little bit about you and about like your dating story? Do you want to talk about that a little bit or no? Um, I mean, I can just say like around my dating story is that I always put people, I always made people more important than me. And I always made what people needed and what people wanted was more valuable than what I needed and what I wanted. And then what I ended up doing was going into a really like strong state of anorexia where I, I was waiting for the day where I would be totally together because I wanted this like fantasy partner that didn't actually exist. And I wanted to be the perfect weight and look the perfect way and have the perfect income and have all the perfect things. And I wasn't realizing that it's my vulnerability and it's my imperfections and it's my, you know, the the parts on my physical body and my loud laughter and all those little things that actually make me more lovable to men than the things that people people see and tell me that that is beautiful about me like when people tell me oh I think you're so pretty or whatever it's like yes men are attracted to that 
but it's not what has caused men to fall in love with me. Mm-hmm. Men fall in love with me because I'm vulnerable and mm-hmm. I cry over TV shows like Friday Night Lights and Parenthood and, you know, because I laugh too loud and mm-hmm. because, you know, I get too passionate. Like, it's, women don't the realize. Idiosyncrasies. Yes, yes. The idiosyncrasies. Yes. The things that are unique to well, you. It, yeah. It's your yeah. authentic self. Right? Yes. Yeah. And that is what men love about women. And women are holding themselves back from being able to have this deepest love because they think there's this perfect part of themselves that men are going to love, and it's not it. Right. So yeah. you hit on you hit on a lot of things right there. You hit on like not being clear about what you want mm-hmm. from a partner, yeah. and then you also hit on what I call the performer. So, and this is the person who goes out and it, I work with mainly women as well, but the woman who goes out on a date with the guy and thinks she has to perform. She has to be this other being rather than her authentic self in order for him. And then there's the, 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 until then, you know, well, I'm going to wait until I've lost this weight or I'm going to wait until what, I don't know what you could do about your loud (laughs) because <laughs> I have one too, you know. So, I mean, what is your what is your strategy with um, your clients who come to you and say, like, you know, well, um, you know, I'm having trouble, and and you find out that they're they're going on dates and being the performer. Yeah. So usually, what I do is I try to get to the root of what happened in their past that created the trauma. Because usually for women who feel like they need to be perfect before they get back out there, it, there's usually a trauma that, that happened in their past, usually their last relationship, that they're trying to protect themselves from experiencing again. And so they, because the subconscious mind, its whole job is to keep you alive and keep you safe. So if you've been through a really bad trauma in love where you've been hurt very deeply, then your subconscious mind is going to create a story where if you're perfect and have it all together, then you're not going to be hurt and you're not going to be left. And so if we can go to the root of it and we can release the trauma and we can heal the trauma, then the woman can start feeling more confident and feeling more comfortable and can get back out there. And then I don't allow them to chicken out and I make them get back out there as we're doing that work so that I can see what comes up for them um, and so that we can work at that, so that we can work at it as we're going along instead of like waiting. Because again, even if we're healing the trauma and saying, okay, so the day that the trauma's over, then you're going to get back out there. It's still one more story of... Okay, when that happens. Until then, yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, that is so super scary when I think about doing that because, um, you know, there is, like I love what you were talking about, like, you know, our subconscious and and I think of it like, you know, our reptilian brain, you know, like there's this basic part of our brain which is like, you know, go away from scary things. And, uh, you know, in terms of like recovery, and for me, you know, and I wanted to talk about, um, like, I had a great success around uh, one of my last qualifiers, like a miracle happened. And um, and so, you know, what I want to talk about is, like, um, because I want to try to bring this from the lens of uh, recovery and especially sex and love addiction. 
is that, you know, for me, I'm so fearful of dating because I don't want to have my addiction re-triggered mm-hmm. where I am like thinking about this guy and obsessing about this guy. Like, you know, I don't have a problem getting a guy. I have a problem keeping a guy. And, you know, it's um, just all of those, like you were talking about, fears that come around it. But, you know, now being in recovery, I'm, you know, so fearful about even trying about that. So do you work with women who are in recovery as well? Yeah, I do. And I love that you brought that up because I feel like that's so important. Because women who do struggle with sex and love addiction, which I struggle with sex and love addiction, and I love that I'm coming out publicly for the first time ever as a business owner on your podcast. (laughs) This makes me so happy. apropos. (laughs) I'm like, this is awesome. Um, It is that overwhelming fear for most love addicts, not all of them, but it is that overwhelming fear of I'm going to lose myself and I'm going to feel crazy and I don't ever want to feel that way again. So I'm just not going to do it, period. That is so scary and is so overwhelming. And the truth is, is that we have more tools and more tips than ever before on how to work with that stuff. Like there's so many things, there's so many options, but it is the, I feel like it is the overriding fear for women who have love addiction. It's like, if I get involved with a guy, I'm going to totally lose myself in the process. And so they start dating, they start feeling that sensation come up. Oh my God, I'm staring at my phone. I'm obsessing over when he's gonna text. They start feeling that way and then they sabotage the relationship. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't, they do. Right, right. right? Or well, they dive into it and they're down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I've yeah. seen I've seen it go both ways. Right. And you know, there's a, someone that I've seen in recovery recently and and you know that struggled with dating and uh, just extremely painful to watch them cry in meetings and just you know go through this and so you know what what's on the other side I mean you know for me I'm so happy my life I feel like my life is so complete that's that that's something that's not missing right that you know and I've had a lot of great sex in my life and so if I never have sex again I'm fine you know so for me I don't feel like it's something that I'm missing so what's on the other side of it? Now, are we all single? What is the payoff for people on the other end? Why should I date? If you were going to like encourage me to date, why would you say I need to date? Well, even Our little Elizabeth, she tells me that, you need to date. I do think you do. But even before that is what, how does she get to that place? She's all afraid, you know, and I know what, I, the, what I've done with my therapist it, but what does she do in order to go out there? What are the tools? What, what would you tell her to do? Well, my favorite part is teaching women how to trust themselves and have a relationship with themselves, right? And committing to themselves. Because that, that really is a big part of the process. Because most women who start dating, who are love addicts, who lose themselves in the process, it, it is because they sleep with them too soon, they start, you know, they start obsessing and staring at text and they do all that and they don't realize how powerful they really are. They don't realize that they do they are able to have control because they can do things like EFT tapping. They can yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's something I do every single day. Right. And it has changed the way my brain reacts to things. I can't even explain it. Yeah. But 
because I'm a human being, right? Not just a coach, of course. Elizabeth's like, yeah, I know you're a human being. I know your story. <laughs> but when I first started with EFT tapping, I gave up on it quickly, multiple times. Because I was like, oh, I've, I've like tried this, like, and, it, and it's not working. And then I was like, wait a minute. There are many studies done that show this changes your brain's chemistry. I'm going to do this every single day and I'm going to see if this really works. And it has literally changed the way my brain processes information. And is that sort of like the EMDR tapping? Is that? It works it's just a, as well uh -huh. as EMDR. Okay. But the cool thing is that people can do it on themselves. Right. So they don't have to go to a therapist. Right. They don't have to hire a coach. Although I think everybody should hire a therapist or a coach and yeah. work with them, you know. But yeah, they could do it on their own. Yeah. Especially if you have deep trauma that mm -hmm. you haven't worked with a therapist. I'm, I'm going to put that little disclaimer in there. Right. Yeah. But I love that because it's like you can. You can go on YouTube and find there's videos on there that that will walk you through the process and they tell you, you know, the, the sense points where you, where you tap and, and do that. And I love that, that you do have to learn how to love yourself and how to process the information differently. Yeah. Well, and I love that you're a coach for this specific issue around dating. And, you know, I have like people that if they were going to date that I know in program, I would like recommend them because to you, because and, you know, I, when I learned to date, I don't think I did learn to date. It's sort of like you just kind of stumble into it as just, you know, the process of growing up. But to do it from a place of uh, recovery, a place of intention, um, being very clear about your boundaries. You know, I've looked over a dating plan about when you, like, if you start dating, how many phone calls, how many texts and things of that nature. And, uh, and so I know that there is some thought that has to go into that. So do you use something like a dating plan with your clients? I do use something like a dating plan. And I do work with my clients on things like when you start engaging with a guy and you're not texting with him, if you do have to text a little bit, if you will just do little small things like delete all of his texts, delete them. As soon as he texts you and says, hey, let's meet at like Cafe Express at 5 p.m., delete it. Because women with love addiction do have a tendency to want to focus on that instead of doing things like going for a walk outside, right? Grounding in nature or doing an EFT tapping video or journaling or, you know, doing some NLP techniques. Like instead of doing that, they have a tendency to want to go. I, I want to relive this yes. moment. What yeah. does he mean by this? <laughs> and if you delete his call log, uh, you delete his text messages, mm, the mm, more you delete, the mm. less you have access to. And you can't go on there and you can't be like... I'm stealing that. That's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. There's nothing for you to look at. There's nothing there. Right? Maybe his name... If that, right. but I also have seen now, I've been doing this for a while, like almost three years of coaching now, I have seen that my clients who struggle with this more are constantly having a breakdown in their trust with their relationship with self. They're doing things like binge watching Netflix instead of journaling. They're doing things like, you know, yeah. obsessively scrolling social media instead of doing like, 
a tapping assignment. Like they're doing things that don't build trust mm -hmm. in yourself, mm -hmm. right? So that brings up another point that you um, mentioned when you first introduced your, your sort of strategy is um, commitment. Mm -hmm. Is that, you know, you've got to be committed to the process. Right. And commit to the coach or, you know, the therapist or the sponsor, whatever. Right. At least for a period of time in order to get results. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about that, like how you get them to veer from binge watching to doing the work. Well, um, you know, that's interesting because when I first started my coaching business, I would automatically start working with women. They would come to me and be like, hey, I want to coach, I want to date, I want to do the work. And I would learn that some of my clients were not uh, not an ideal fit. They weren't a soulmate client. You know, they weren't committed to doing that work. Now, after being in business for a while, I can be more choosy about... You do it in the intake. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Now I'm able to see because some people are not that committed to their dreams. Right. And so it really does come down to you asking yourself hard questions like... Okay, well, let's let's say, let's just put like reincarnation, past lives, let's put that aside and let's pretend, right, that you only have one life. What do you really want to do with this life? I mean, do you want to know what it's like to be deeply loved by a man? Do you want to know what it's like to have a best friend and a partner in this lifetime? No. Like, what do you... <laughs> yeah, well, if a woman tells me that, I'm like, why don't you? Yeah, um... You know, I would love to make films. You know, I want to act. I want to produce films. I have, like, you know, great ideas. I have, like, three great Netflix shows in my head that at night I go to bed. I, like, you know, uh, write the story. So I have, like, a lot of creative ideas mm -hmm. that I would like to give birth to and expedite into the world. And for me, in my experience, men have, have always been a distraction for me. Men have always pulled me away from what I feel is like my dreams and my upward path. Even when I was in, first went to college. I mean, I had an opportunity to go to work study at NASA. I was an engineering at Auburn University. And I was going to be an engineer and I got a work study program. And they were like, yeah, so it'll take six years, but you'll go be, be a NASA engineer. And afterwards, and I was like, great. And then I met this guy. And he was like, oh, I'm going to be coming to Auburn for the summer. So I was like, oh, I've got this work study at NASA, you know. Hmm, guy, NASA. Guy, NASA. I chose the guy. So it's like that's always been where my life has gone, where I've had these great opportunities and great dreams, and I get pulled away because of my codependency and because my inability to like stand firm and say, no, listen, I'm going to go be a filmmaker or I'm going to go be an actor and, you know, you can come along or not, you know. I mean, how do you say that? I think that sort of like goes back to another point that you first made is like knowing what you want. Yeah. yeah. You know, well, being clear about where it is that you want to go. And I also feel, let me just add before you answer that, is that I feel like in... SLAA that there has been not so much now but there has been a push for women to date like once you get done with your mm -hmm. like you know year of sobriety and you know no contact then it's like so okay. let's get your dating plan together go, go out, out there, there and start dating and I'm like well, I, 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 I don't want to date now so talk to Elizabeth's point and my point too Darcy well, I think that both are true. I think that it's true that there's a huge push for women to get back out there and date. 
And I think that women are taught from a very small age, like that their identity should be wrapped up in finding a partner. So I think there's truth in yes. that. But I think there's also truth in the fact that you can, it's not an either or, you can have both. You can have the career, you can have the partner. And it's a, it's a commitment. It's, it's about being committed to yourself and to your dreams. And I think that there are lots of men out there, lots. And I've known so many of them since becoming a coach and seen such an amazing, like, I can't, I don't even have words to describe the men that I know now in the coaching industry. This divine masculine uprising is so beautiful that wants to partner with women in supporting them and building empires. I mean, these men are like no men I've ever known before. I mean, they want to partner. They want to be half of a true abundant power couple is what they want. And so I think it's not either or. I think it's both. I think you get to have what you want, and I think you get to have a partner who supports you. But I also think you get to decide what you want. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want to date, you don't want to date. That's so beautiful, and I feel like... You know, there's not that, that guy out there who who wants that isn't gonna want it with this 56 year old, slightly overweight, short haired, salt and pepper woman. But this oh is my the gosh. work that you ju she just talked <sighs> about about you learning to love yourself. I love myself fine, but listen, you and I both know that these Texas men that they're not going for us with our short hair and. You but we I don't agree with that. Okay. I don't agree okay. with that for me anyway. Right. I do think that there's someone out there for me. Okay. I will say though, sitting here listening to you, I could sit here and listen to you for the next five hours because it's like that is I true. I, I am full of hope and yeah. like I'm like, well where are these male coaches? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wanna meet them. <laughs> I wanna and after this is wrapped up, I'm gonna show you a few on my phone because We've never experienced the kind of men that are coming out right now who mm -hmm. are building these amazing businesses, these freedom-based lifestyles who want a partner next to them that are doing the same thing. Right. And they are genuinely wanting to help this world become a better world. And they're wanting to do that, yes, while making tons of money, but they genuinely are doing it because of a passion that they feel they feel in their heart. And they're wanting to do it. Some of them, the older ones, don't want to have kids. But the younger ones want to have kids. I mean, these men are amazing. And before I got online, I was like, I had never had exposure to that. I mean, I knew there were great men out there. But I had never had exposure to men like that. Maybe it's just my... Slob bubble. Well, know? I do think it is because when she's I talking, agree. like I'm thinking about like in slaw, in our community, in our meetings, in our friendships, we talk about like how little men there are. We, we go to lack. We go to lack yes, in dating and yes, lack yes, in I the, in the right. opportunities and lack mm -hmm. in, you know, what the relationship is, you know, they're going to suck the life out. We use these phrases and they're all in lack. And then she's exposed to this totally different culture. Right. of men right. that are, you know, that are buoyant and that are, you know, vibrant and that are, you know, building and creating and, and seeking. And it's just a whole different mind. It's, it's not a different world. It's not a different ge geography. It's a different mindset. 
I felt like I, because I had done so much work specifically around shifting my beliefs around what was possible with men, mm. I felt like I already felt abundant around men. But when I decided to go from, because in the beginning my business was just email marketing. And I was like, I was doing fine with that. But my business coach was like, no, you need to get on social media. And so as I started promoting first on Facebook and then Instagram, and men started to friend request me or follow me on Instagram, and I started to check out their profiles to see like, do I wanna accept this friend request, whatever. And I started seeing these couples, these married couples who were like committed to changing the world together while making tons of money doing it. And also like giving tons of money away to charities. I was like, who are these people? And it totally changed the way I view the world and especially changed the way I view love. So now when a woman tells me she can't have both, she can't have an amazing career, an amazing guy, I'm like, you're wrong. You're wrong. And I don't even, right or wrong is such a like horrible thing to say and I'm so sorry. But it's like I realize now it's, it's a limiting belief. It's right. not it's, true. It's polarized thinking. Yeah. Right? And, you know, law of attraction talks about, you know, what it is that you want. Right. And if you really are with that belief, then it will happen naturally. And I haven't spent a lot of time on that piece of it. Sure. You know, my law of attraction has been to create a life where I have enough free time where I can do the creative things that I want to do for myself. And I've been able to manifest that very successfully. And I'm continuing to do that. But I haven't spent the time because of... My past experiences, sure. because of my family yeah. of origin, because of the trauma around all that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've done so much great work around all that, but yet that's not something, it's not even like I don't even think I could have it. It's like, I'm not even focused on that. Yeah. So, and perhaps if I did do some focus on it, it would be good. But because of my past um, investment in men, I've just said, you know, I've invested so much of my time, energy, money uh, in men that it hasn't worked out. I'm like done. So that's how I feel about it. And it may change, but, you know, that's where I am. So I wanted to ask you, Darcy, about um, when you're in the dating process. Let's say that um, you're, you're a woman and you're in the dating process and you've met a guy and you really like him, but you've found a couple of things that don't mesh with your values. Um, what, you know, what, what would you advise a woman like that? Um, see, I love that you said that, by the way, I really, I, this is my first time meeting you and I love your personality. Cause I just got so heated and I was like, you're wrong. And you're like so relaxed and chill. And I, <laughs> she's awesome. Um, so actually I take women through a compatibility blueprint before they start dating because there are really strong core values that we all have that we need to get really clear on before we start attracting a partner because there are certain things that you can't build a sustainable partnership if you're not both in integrity around that right like things that you know like if you if you it's really really important to you to eat well and exercise it's really important that you seek out a partner who's doing the same thing, right? Because you want longevity. You want somebody you can be with forever. And if they're bringing home Cheetos and Twix and drinking Gatorade, 
then you know that's not that's not gonna work. Because what if you find out that that guy secretly smokes? See that that actually to me is a very appropriate deal breaker because he lied. It's dishonesty. And dishonesty is a deal breaker because... It's a value. Yeah. It's a core value. It's a major core value. And there's deceit. And if he's lying about smoking, what else is he lying about? It's a huge one. So, uh, Elizabeth, is that what you were saying about, like, when you find out? Yeah. What do you recommend to him? So, what if, you know, you've gotten... You've progressed in and you've dated and you're like... at. I mean, is it like, you know, dude, you got to go. I mean, you lied to me about smoking. It's like a, it's like a non-negotiable. Most, most women will not. Most women right. will stay. Right. They'll stay. And right. they'll end up with more problems and get frustrated and they'll stay. Most women, unfortunately, do not choose themselves. Which is why the front end work is so important. Getting them to trust themselves and build a relationship with themselves. Because most women will not ultimately choose themselves. They will choose the guy because it's not, yeah, it's a very, they'll settle, you know, and and that's like, I love what you're saying about choosing themselves because I would never frame it like that. I would, I would, you know, go back to like my programming. It's like, well, you got to like, just roll with it. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's got so many other fantastic qualities, you know, all these, um, I don't even know the word for it where you're, uh, you know, give them a pass, you know, you give a pass. Compromise. Yeah. Compromise on it. Right. Right. So yeah, no, that's a struggle. Yeah. Well, I think that's a really good place for us to end because we could go on and on with this forever. I know. I, we just have learning really well. Yeah. Such a very exciting. And you've been like so, you've just been so informative and and just so helpful. I don't. I mean, I just feel like oh, I can go. I can do it. <laughs> yeah. Woo-hoo! We want to ask you to come back. Would you come back? Of course. Yeah. Okay, great. Love it. Because this is a hot topic. It is something that you know most. Yeah. At some point or another, everybody in our audience is going to be doing. You know, if they're single or if they want to, even if they're not single. If yeah. They, yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. kind of a you know somewhere along the line, you're probably going to do it. Yeah. And um, having having really uh, expert advice is just over the top. Right. So we're going to put her information out there. So if you're here in the Houston area, or you do coaching over phone too. I do coaching over Skype and mm. over the phone. And I'm actually known as Darcy Iverson. All right. Well, thank you so much, Darcy. It's been such a pleasure having you on our podcast. Thank we're you. I had so much fun. This is great energy. Yeah. yeah. And I just want to remind our listeners, if you have a question... If uh, you want to reach out to uh, Darcy and, and miss her information or can't find it, you can always email us at SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. And we also have a webpage, www.SoberSistersTalk.com. And you can find us on social media. Uh, we have a Facebook page, w, or a face, uh, Sober Sisters Talk, on the business page on Facebook, and you can find us there. And mm-hmm. you can go on the uh, iTunes and find our other episodes um, and please like and share us if you did listen to this because that helps us grow and helps us help more people. Thank you so much for listening. Till the next time.